Welcome to Fairfield, What Are You Reading? A next great read podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm Philip Barr, your host and head of adult services. Each month we gather a group of library staff together for a conversation about books, authors, and of course, reading. What we're reading, what we've just finished, what we're excited about coming soon. Most of the books will be new, some may be older, The group will focus on books we love, and hopefully you will too. Imagine you come to the library, ask a librarian for a next great read, a couple more staff stop by, and soon everyone is trading their favorite new reads. Listen in now as we begin. Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 24 of What Are You Reading? A next book podcast from Fairfield Public Library in Fairfield, Connecticut. Today is February 10th, 2023. My guests and colleagues, Tamara Lynn, Stephanie Bergstrom, and Emily Muller, will be discussing their favorite new books and what's on the horizon in publishing. So why don't we jump right in? Stephanie, what do you have for us today? Hello. Um, I have a brand new chapter book series. So this is a book for transitional readers. It's called Miles Lewis. And the first book in the series is called King of the Ice. And the series is by Kelly Starling Lyons. It's a perfect way to kick off Black History Month because it's a majority black uh, cast of characters. Miles Lewis is a black fourth grader, um, and he's kind of like a little scientist. I'm just always impressed with these smaller chapter books that manage to cram in so many different themes. Um, So part of it is STEM. So they go on a class trip to the ice skating rink, but they're learning about Newton's first law of physics and and friction and all that. But then there's this whole drama with the friend group. And then his dad is a black history professor. So he comes home and he's like, oh, you're going to the ice skating rink? You should learn about Willie O'Ree. And I'm reading this small chapter book for nine-year-olds. And I'm like, who's that? So then you're learning something, but it's also expertly woven that you don't, it, I feel like like writing a s- shorter book is harder than writing Much harder. like a 200 page book. So um, this was really great. And it's like very earnest, like the way they figure out like conflict resolution and like just the intense feelings at the age. Um, but yeah, so Willie O'Ree, for anyone who doesn't know, is like the Jackie Robinson of hockey. I don't know much about hockey at all. So, but he was the first black hockey player in 1958. So yeah, this series is really great. Um, There's two more out now and one on the way. Um, And the author has another series with a similar friend group called Jada Jones. So if you're looking for a book for a second, third, fourth grader or fifth grader, um, I think these are, it's a great new series to check out. Um, Emily, you wanna go next? Sure. Um, So I wanted to talk about um, a middle grade um, fantasy adventure novel. It's called Me He Ever After by Tay Keller. Um, She's the author of When You Trap a Tiger, which won the 2021 Newbery Medal. Um, So Me He Ever After is about uh, Korean American Me He Wan Park. She's in fourth grade and she absolutely loves fairy tales and princesses. And she wants to be a princess more than anything, but is often told by others that she's not the princess type. Um, And Mihi gets her chance, though, when she and her two new friends, um, Reese and Savannah, they discover a magical portal to a fairy tale realm. And at first, the girls are 
ready for adventure and they're eager to uh, train as princesses um, and excited to meet the characters from other popular uh, fairy tales. But then soon the um, grimmer side of the fairy tale world is revealed and the girls have to decide um, you know, what they're going to do. Will they stick together and f try to find a way home or will Mihi um, continue to chase her own princess dreams? And what I like about this book is that um, it's fun and clever, but also empowering and about um, being brave enough to write your own story. Um, it's about uh, not feeling as if you fit in um, and focuses on the characters trying to find their identities. And the girls push back against typical ideas about what makes someone the princess type, as well as the idea that um, they need to fit a mold or are limited to being um, uh, like existing fairy tale princesses. So it was interesting to read about the trials um, that they faced in their growing friendship, and especially me, he, her internal struggle um, and journey figuring out what's most important to her. Um, She's a really wonderful and adventurous main character. It's a lot of fun to read about Mihi. Um, and I enjoyed this book as a quick read. Um, there's lots of action, some danger, and um, some really great uh, some great surprises throughout. And at our library, um, I know we have uh, fans of other fairy tale spin-off series, like um, Whatever After series, um, Ever After High uh, series. And I think this would be a great recommendation for them um, and this will also be a series itself with um, book two called Mihi Ever After a Giant Problem um, is coming out in May of this year. So Sounds great. Um, can you just remind me what age group? That's yeah, um, this I would recommend for uh, third grade and up. Okay. Sounds great. Tamara, you want to jump in? All right. So I'm going to start by talking about Garvey and the Dark. It's by Nikki Grimes. It's a fiction for third to fifth graders. It's written in um, in verse, in poetic tanka verse. And tanka is an ancient Japanese form of poetry, meaning short I was, poem. That's good that you said that because I was about to ask <laughs> you for a definition. <laughs> Now, Tenka poems are traditionally written in five lines in length, and um, Grimes holds true to that. And it's really amazing what she's capable to do in such a short amount of space. I really love this book. The main character, Garvey, is not new to the literary scene. Grimes had uh, previously written Garvey's Choice. So in this book, the story is told from Garvey's point of view. And we find Garvey living his very best life. Um, he's an introvert. He loves to escape into books. He loves to sing. He talks a bit about his father and how they've developed a much better uh, relationship, finding mutual understanding and respect through music. But <clears throat> ever so slowly, an invisible beast slides into their California, California dreamin' lives, otherwise known as COVID-19. Oh. And the story <laughs> unfolds as the country's about to go into lockdown and the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd transpire a few months later, and that is all put into this 200-page uh, book. It's a very small book with a lot of pack, packed into it, a lot of... Um, 
thought-provoking ideas and, and uh, questions and um, realistic feelings. Um, Grimes uses the beauty and simplicity of the stanzas to help you feel that what Garvey's feeling from his disbelief as to like what a lot of us felt being locked in our homes and the anger of these people's lives being taken from them and the anxiety of what COVID-19 actually means to him as a teenager um, to hope and it's all 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 those feelings and it's just amazing what what she's able to do in um, with the stanza it's a quick read like I said it's 170 pages it certainly gives you pause you don't have to have read uh, Garvey's Choice prior to reading Garvey in the Dark, but Nikki Grimes is definitely a mighty writer, and I recommend you read all of her works. I just enjoy her so much. That sounds great. I, I like the fact that some authors are choosing to cover COVID and mm -hmm. some authors are choosing not to cover COVID because I think it's important. Um, but I also think if people want to skip, they can, you know, if they have other things they want to do, they can skip. But I just, I, I just hear so much about, um, I, I watched, I listened to a podcast um, and it was about long-term COVID and it was also a lot about like PTSD and things like mm -hmm. that. So I think it's really important to have these kinds of books coming out that remind us of how bad it was, but also it sort of helps us think, well, if we're still not quite back there that it's it's good so. well i also liked it because you know it's a child's point of view or a, a teen young teen sure and um then you know so many of these kids are are kind of working through what covid did to their lives uh whether it was a loss of family member or just the loss of the social structure and education and and they can see themselves in Garvey, and that's just fantastic. Yeah, sounds great. Stephanie? So the next book I have is The Girl Who Built an Ocean, an artist, an argonaut, and the true story of the world's first aquarium. It's by Jess Keating. Jess Keating is, is well-known in our library. She writes um, a lot of uh, picture book nonfiction, uh, some of her more popular books are about weird animals. So there was Pink as an Oxodle. How do you say that? <laughs> Ox Axolotl? Axolotl. 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 Yeah, I had to think about it. <laughs> and then, oh no, Weird as an Axolotl. And then Pink as a Blobfish. Mm -hmm. There's a lot yeah. of, so she writes like very attractive to young people science books. She used to be a zoologist. So this book is a picture book biography about Jean. Uh, Le Pro. <laughs> She's French. <laughs> if you can tell. Just say Le. Vilpra. Um, so she kind of predictably wasn't allowed to be taught science in a professional level, but um, as a woman, you know, you know, nonetheless they persisted. So she goes on to um, study science in her own way, and she was is now. Um, noted as being the first person to make an aquarium specifically for studying aquatic life. So she was very curious about marine animals, and she was like, well, how can I study them? If I go to the beach, they just go away <laughs> in the water. So as she was specifically um, interested in argonauts, which I, uh, to be completely honest, didn't know what they were until I picked up this book. Um, they're a type of octopus that um, the females have a shell, and so part of her observations were that females were the ones with the shells. And, of course, people are, no, 
these are like hermit crabs. They just get a shell from somewhere else. She's like, no, it grows. So it's a very, it's an interesting story, kind of like others we've heard before from women at her time. Um, She invented the aquarium in 1832. So, you know. I was going to ask you what time period the book takes place. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, yeah, 1832 is when she invented it. Um, There was a, there's an interesting part in the, in the notes at the end that they didn't include in the in the uh, main text, which is that in 1843, a ship carrying her research collections and papers was caught in a storm and the ship sank and her life's work went to the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) I'm like, make a part two. That's an amazing story. (laughs) But I think they were just trying to focus on like the amazing things that Mm. she was able to accomplish. yeah, so I, I think picture book biographies are a really great introduction to uh, people I you'd never hear about, and it kind of gives you a nice, like, digestible piece of information about um, someone you may not have heard before. And the illustrations in this one are, are very... Um, they're very like cute. You could tell they're done on the computer, but it totally serves the like blues and greens of the ocean. And um, I think it's very, very well done. So that's the girl who built an ocean. Yeah. Um, so I uh, wanted to talk about a another middle grade uh, fantasy adventure novel. This one's a little bit darker. This is called um, Lily and the Night Creatures by Nick Lake. Um, it's about a young girl named Lily who's been dealing with health issues um, and she's been in and out of hospitals recently and she's also been um, feeling um, inadequate and is not looking forward to the addition of a new baby um, in their family. And when her mother goes into labor, um, her parents rush to the hospital without Lily and she's dropped off at her grandmother's house. And um, Lily, Lily is feeling very frustrated Um, She doesn't want the new baby to replace her, um, and she doesn't want to be sick anymore, and she ends up sneaking out of her grandmother's house to go back to her house, and when she arrives, she doesn't expect anyone to be there, um, but she finds her parents there, and they refuse to let her inside, but Lily soon realizes that um, those people are not actually her parents, but like doppelgangers referred to as replacements. with coal black eyes and they plan oh. to harm yeah her her actual family so um it's up to lily and along with she's got some friends there are four magical uh garden animals there's crow mouse mole and snake and um they work together to uh say try to save her family by defeating the replacements and kind of help her reclaim her life so i really loved how immersive this story is um the descriptions they're really wonderfully done and really detailed like as a reader i was able to clearly see the scenes in my mind and the author really takes you um into lily's world and life and um i really like the animal characters uh because they had unique personalities but also provided um like comic relief uh throughout the story which um has a lot of horror elements um since Lily's facing many difficult and scary situations. So that was uh, a nice foil to that. Um, And the author is excellent at um, building tension and adding twists and magical elements um, to the story. And the book really addresses a lot of different themes. It's about uh, Lily's emotional growth, 
but then also um, you know developing the ability to see things from new perspectives and um, her rediscovering uh, her own self-worth and uh, inner determination. So uh, this story does have similarities um, to Neil Gaiman's Coraline. Um, so if you're a fan of that or um, like spooky and whimsical tales, then you would definitely enjoy this read. Um, and sprinkled throughout the book are illustrations by um, Emily Gravette, and they really wonderfully add to the whole mood of the story. So for me, this was a really gripping read, and um, I highly recommend it. I would say uh, maybe third grade uh, and up would like this, um, as long as they are okay with um, some scary moments and, and horror elements. But it's a great read. When you said coal black eyes, the first thing I thought was Coraline, Coraline and yeah. the button eyes. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yep, definitely. Tamara. So um, Chef's Sloth by Sarah Eason is a part of the Animal Chef series. Um, so I'm talking about nonfiction. And then it's created with young chefs in mind for sure. So Chef's Sloth provides six fun named recipes, such as cheese twigs that kiddos can make um, mostly on their own. Of course, always supervise your children in the kitchen. Eason begins the book reminding budding chefs of important steps to take before cooking, like wash your hands. And during the process, measure those ingredients accurately. The end of the book includes facts about sloths. The directions are written very clearly uh, in numerical order and are accompanied by bright colored photos step-by-step, step, which I really enjoyed. This is a great sick series for picky eaters, um, so engaging and empowering, and they can learn how to make their own food and probably be more likely to eat it. It's definitely a delicious choice, and there's a, a bunch more in the series, and we have them all. We have Chef Narwhal, Chef Llama, <laughs> Chef Hedgehog, <laughs> Chef Octopus, <laughs> Chef Shark. So uh, stop by and grab those for sure. Is the chef octopus, is that, uh, is calamari? Calamari! <laughs> it does say, I will say, in uh, the beginning it says, just a note, it's very important that you don't feed the animals this food. This is human food. So oh, that's funny. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. It was cute. So I have another nonfiction picture book because I am obsessed with this book creator. Um, his name is Jason Chin, and his latest book is The Universe in You, A Microscopic Journey. Jason Chin won the Caldecott last year for Watercress, written by Andrea Wang, but his picture books that he writes and illustrates are scientific. They're all, um, so he wrote one called Grand Canyon a few years ago. Oh. One of my favorites. Have I, re you seen I read that one? Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. And he's done one. Is it called Redwoods? It's about Redwoods. I don't know. Um, oh, yes, it's called Redwoods. I can see it right here in the book. Um, <laughs> one of my favorites is Nine Months um, about how a baby grows because a lot of, like, baby growing books are very babyish. Mm. <laughs> but his is very, like, this is the size the baby is on the page, and then it grows and grows. And the thing about his illustrations, I realize this is a podcast, but I want Philip especially to see, is mm -hmm. that they're these are watercolor. They're gorgeous. I know. It's, really it's, beautiful. It's insanity. Wow. Um, yeah. And so this latest book is about, it, it, it starts with a, a hummingbird, 
and then it goes down to a bee, and then it goes into the human skin and keeps going down and down and down, zooming in and in and in until you get to a cell, yeah. an atom, and then elementary particles. So it's it's teaching kids in like a digestible way, like what we are all made of and what all things are made of then once you get there it zooms back out to be like this is what the planets are made of and this is what the galaxy is made of and it says this is what you're made of too but yet you're not a hummingbird Mm. you're not a planet like we're all part of the same and yet we're also uniquely different and i'm like wow this is for quote children. Yeah, it's profound. And like, look at the. I'm mm. I'm sorry, podcast. I know, listeners. no, that eye <laughs> but is like, unbelievable. This so is this, a painted eye. You can see every single eyelash. You it, see the reflection of the hummingbird in her eye. You it, see the cactuses because they're sitting in the desert. And it's a double page um, painting, so it's yeah. really you see a lot of detail. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So the the text itself is detailed again, like zooming down to DNA and to cells, but like the illustrations themselves, like it really doesn't get any better in my opinion. Um, I don't know if this was in the voting period for this Caldecott session, but I, I would be surprised. I think it came out a couple weeks ago, so maybe not yet, but I would kind of be surprised if he didn't win again because um, his books are just amazing. Who's next? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it off. Oh, you're going to finish the, it off. Okay, um, thank you. Capturing Cow, Farts, and Burps <laughs> by Aaron Tuomly. So this is another nonfiction, and I know you're all thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to hear this. Good thing it was at the end. But I have to say that um, I got this book for my uh, preschool group, my threes, fours, and fives, but I just finished a program with my K first and second graders, and it was all about farts, too, and we learned about methane, and <laughs> they just loved it. So grab this book, um, Capturing Cow Farts and Burps. It's a nonfiction early reader all about the cow's impact on the environment, specifically their production of methane. I do love this book because it addresses environmental concern in a in a digestive, pun intended, <laughs> way to children who are working on reading skills. <laughs> While kiddos are learning a valuable lesson on methane, they are, I'm sure, enjoying the opportunity to read the words fart and burp over and over again. <laughs> the book itself offers some solutions and it encourages the kiddos to develop their own ideas on ways to solve the gas problem that the world is facing right now. So, yeah, it sounds funny, but it's actually a really good good book. Fart and burp are good phonics words. Yes, They're they single syllable. Lots of letters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then some books that I'm looking forward to. Um, so, so some of our townies are, are coming out with some new books. Janine Marks, who lives in Fairfield, uh, returns with On Air with Zoe Washington, and that releases just next week on the 14th. Um, I'm really excited about this book. The Zoe Washington character was a lot of fun from the desk of Zoe Washington. It was a serious um, it was a serious matter, but... Um, uh, Marks made it very digestible and uh, um, t- brought it to a level where, where kiddos in third through fifth grade really understood. That was about uh, Zoe, who uh, 
uh, is living with her mom and her stepdad and she's uh, a huge baker and her dad is in um, jail her biological father's in jail and she never really knew him and so uh, that is a whole learning process for her and um, it kind of becomes like a mystery that she solves so I highly recommend you pick that one up on air with Zoe Washington finds us back with her family drama a little bit and some bakery uh, uh, shenanigans going on. She's definitely going to be the baker of the world. So um, check that out. And then Jerry Kraft, who usually hails from Norwalk, thinking he still lives there, not quite sure, is out with School Trip, which is um, his latest graphic novel. Um, it brings in the kids from New Kid. So Jordan, Drew, and Liam are back. They are all classmates from Riverdale Academy. And in this uh, book, they're venturing over to France. They're going to have a, a big, giant school trip to Paris. And you're going to get a chance to see what happens when uh, they go overseas together. I'm excited for all that. That's heading out in publication on April 4th. Anybody else have any? I had uh, one to add. Um, the One and Only Ruby by Catherine Applegate is coming out uh, in the beginning of May. So this is part of her um, One and Only Ivan series, which is very popular um, here as well. And I know a lot of our patrons really enjoy it. So um, this new one is all about the adorable baby elephant, Ruby. And Ruby recounts the... Um, happy and sad memories of her life before the circus and she's telling Ivan and Bob about uh, the time she spent in the African savanna. So um, it will be exciting for readers to be able to read Ruby's story. Um, so this is a highly uh, anticipated release from, from the series. Sounds great. Um, before we go, I wondered if someone could talk about the winter reading challenge and where we're at. So for the Winter Reading Challenge, we're happy to report that we had a pretty big bump from last year of participants, so that was pretty exciting. And then um, we're finishing up. Uh, we have one more week to go, and on February 17th, there's going to be a lot of partying happening at the Woods Branch in the main library. Um, we have the Winter Dance party for the zero to five which is at capacity already and then we have the emoji party happening at the woods branch in the afternoon it's it's we're really excited That's to great. wrap up this winter reading and uh celebrate with everybody in fairfield sounds really good well thank you tamara stephanie and emily so much and thank you listeners for joining us for another episode of fairfield what are you reading podcast brought to you by fairfield public library in fairfield connecticut Special thanks to our podcast editor, Max Berryman, for making us sound great. Check out our show notes for book titles and authors mentioned today. And please join us next month when we welcome back our One Book, One Town chairs for an in-depth look at this year's selections. Happy reading. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.